This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping himself with Martinez 5. He yeah. is going to be in. Touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge. Runs in from 15 yards out. Tie of the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything going on at Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets one over the Florida Gators. Now. Shoots the three. Got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land. And a good time was had by all. Good Saturday morning and welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. Here on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Got a great show ahead. Kent Pavelka will be here. The voice of the Huskers. There we go. I think it's I think every year I've done this show, he has uh he has come along. My old buddy from the the Husker Sports Network from my days back there. And uh yeah, he's going to join us. They they've seen eight games now. We've all seen well, not all of us have seen all eight games because of the Flow Sports Cayman Islands <laughs> deal, but even we've, if you had Flow Sports, you didn't see at least one of the games. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so we've all seen five games and we've heard most of the eight. So that's you know, that's a little bit bigger sample size, so um, we usually talk to him preseason, but uh, understandably, uh, I think it's probably better that we get him here with a little bit of uh, little bit of action in the rearview mirror so we know what the heck we're talking about. Exactly, because coming into this year, I mean, what what was he really going to tell us? Well, here's what Thor does, um, and then here's where everyone else is coming in from. Yep. That, that would have been the preseason kind of uh, analysis there, but yep, through, through eight games and... Big matchup today. Uh, how are you feeling about it? Um, I mean, how, okay. How are you feeling about the chances for Nebraska? I guess is, is what I, what I'm asking. Because I because I, I don't know how we're going to gauge success. Not great. I mean, so you've got a Nebraska team that's like like we've talked about, brand new, essentially. Um, and and Creighton's got an and, established uh, established program, established style and scheme, and players that have been there for years. Um. And and they've 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 certainly got the leg up in more ways than one. And I think the only way Nebraska wins is if they get hot from the three point line um, and early. Too, That's going to be a few games get, this year. You can't get behind against a team like Creighton because, as we've seen in the past, Nebraska basketball has been buried early by Creighton, and there's holes they just can't dig out from. So I, I that's the only scenario I think where they have a shot. I do think off the top though we need to hit uh, because. Nebraska Athletics did the old Friday afternoon news dump. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's throw something out on a Friday afternoon because no one's going to talk about it. Ha! Huh, take that. We've got a Saturday morning show here on the KLIN. Never Husker works Hour. with us. Uh, Samari Curtis, yeah. the freshman guard, uh, was Mr. Basketball for Ohio, uh, is going to be transferring. Has played in all eight games, averaged 1.8 points, point nine, point 0.9 rebounds a game. Um, wasn't a guy who was going to come in and start anyway at, at any program, so I'm not really sure what he was looking for. But he did commit and decommit from like three or four different places before ending up with Hoiberg. And yeah, that was mostly so, due to coaching changes. He yeah, was, he was committed to Louisville, and then they changed coaches. Yeah, and then he went through a or was it Cincinnati? Or I think Xavier? so. It was Louisville, Cincinnati, Xavier. They're all in that same area there, mm-hmm. in South South Ohio. Um, and then there was another coaching change. Right before um, the recruiting period, or right after the recruiting period, right after he had signed, yeah. and they let him out because of the coaching change. Yep. So that's why he'd been. That available. is one of the nice things that the NCAA does, by the way. We, uh, as much as I'm going to bash the NCAA at just about every turn, 
Uh, that is a nice thing they do. If there is a coaching change, you kind of get freedom to go. Yes. Uh, but, yep, so Samari Curtis is going to be leaving the program. Mm-hmm. That opens up two scholarships now for next year. So we'll we'll see what Coach Hoiberg does does with those. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and look, the Samari Curtis, he was Mr. Basketball in Ohio. Um, everybody was, I, I think, pretty excited about getting him, especially as late in the process as it was. Not Nobody really knew that he was yeah. in play. Um, but look, in, in terms of the team – as it's constructed and the guys that you have, he's a guard. Where yeah. where do you see him getting on the floor ahead of Deshaun Burke or Cam Mack or Gervais Green? Right. I mean, you give him some minutes here and there to, to let those guys get some rest on the bench or if you get a, an injury or foul trouble, but I, you, you weren't going to crack the top three. Even if he's even if he was raw, let's say he is he's 6'10", and he's not going to be a starter, but with that size, if he can stretch the floor a little bit, if he was 6'10", he's going to see probably 15 minutes a game then. He's going to see some significant more run just because of size and being able to help out with that rebound disadvantage that the Huskers have. Mm-hmm. That's not where he's at. He's in a position that's not a... That position already has an abundance of depth. Mm-hmm. Um, so that opens up that scholarship for next year. I don't... I. I don't know where Hoiberg's going to go with that, but I hope it goes to someone with some size. Yeah, I mean that's the but, idea. You got to have some size somewhere on this team, and I think that's a priority in recruiting. I hope it's a priority in recruiting because Nebraska's. We, we haven't hit on this issue yet, but we also we've obviously seen it. Um, rebounding is going to be a problem for Nebraska all year long. I mean, yeah. maybe the free throw thing improves even a little. Is that too much to ask? Like better than like fifty? What, you would think 54%? it would have it would have to accidentally get better. Fifty six point three percent. Fifty six point three. Currently three hundred forty fifth in Division One out of a thousand sixty nine schools across divisions one, two, and three. Nebraska has a better free throw percentage than seventeen of them. Uh, yeah. Seventeen schools in the country in divisions one, two, and three have worse free throw percentages than Nebraska. Is there a reason we didn't go all the way down to NAIA? I mean, let's just go all... Just because the NCAA site didn't have oh, it. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. NCAA is not NAIA. That's, yeah. Yeah, well, we don't need to. I'm just... It's just It's just embarrassing to, to have the program be that low in, uh, in, in any statistic, really, but especially one where you... Literally, that's the only thing that you can control with no nobody blocking you, nobody yeah. in front of you. And we're not even halfway yeah. through the year, so who, that number could change a lot. Yeah, um, as the season goes on, but you don't want guys to have that in the back of their head that, oh no, I, I might be missing some yeah. free throws, so now I'm scared to attack the rim. Well, Hoiberg's offense is predicated on attacking the rim, which then, because of that dribble drive, guys have to collapse. That opens up the three point. Shot. So if you have someone that starts to get just a little bit hesitant about attacking the rim, that can dictate a lot of negatives within the offense. Yeah. And anyway, back to the, the rebounding thing, because, you know, size needs to be a, a priority in recruiting. You're, you're, as I said, the, the only way I think Nebraska stays in this game today against Creighton is if they're hitting their three pointers. Yep. And it's even more of an issue when you consider the fact that, look, if Nebraska gets a shot up, and it doesn't go in, that's like 95% that's the end of the possession. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a very small chance Nebraska gets an offensive rebound. Mm-hmm. There's a very small chance Nebraska gets a rebound of any kind, uh, but, but especially on offense. So if you, if you have 
you know, a certain lineup out there, maybe you have a little bit better shot, but I don't, I don't see that type of lineup being out there a whole lot. Like, you know, if you're going to play Wade Drogo and Kevin Cross and Matej Kavas all at the same time, I don't think that's a Hoiberg uh, pace and space kind of lineup, <laughs> if you will. So that's that the, the rebounding thing is not going to go away. Um, it, you can, you can put a little bit more effort into it. You can have another guy up there, but they're just going to be small all year. And so you gotta, you gotta make your shots. It's plain and simple and, and sounds super simple, but it, it it's, that's how it is. And against a team like Creighton and against teams that they'll see in the big 10 schedule, uh, that shoot it really well, um, you're, you're going to have to be in the game early to have a chance because, if you are, if you're facing fouls and and you're trying to get back in the game by getting in the lane and they foul you, free throw shooting is going to be helpful to you, um, and and it's just you're you're fighting an uphill battle, and so I didn't look the the Creighton game I think is going to be a tough one for Nebraska to to stay in even if they are hitting shots just because Creighton's going to get second chances mm-hmm. Creighton's going to hit their free throws if they get them, um, and and they're just they've just had that that system in place they're. It's not that they're better coached, it's just that they've been coached by that coach longer yeah. at this point. So And I think that's I think that's across a, that's across a number of sports that we've talked about. That stability. We we've talked about that uh ad nauseum with Brendan Stye on football. Yeah. On what that stability means for a program. So now you've got this first year head coach Hoyberg. He does have a history with McDermott. Um that's the that's the reason that Hoyberg was able to end up at Ohio State was was because of that whole coaching carousel. Um but because they have that history, they know what the other one's going to do, in theory, as the way they both like to coach. This is going to be a fast-paced game. There, there's going to be a lot of uh, one-shot possessions, I think, for both teams because of the pace that they're going to play. Yes, A lot of guys are going to be spread out. There's not going to be a big guy get posted up and then be right there for an offensive rebound. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of transition game. And Hoiberg even said yesterday, he said, if we don't get back... On defense, if we don't get back in transition, it's going to be a very long afternoon. Yeah, because Creighton doesn't take their foot off the gas. So I'm really excited about this series going forward. Like once Hoiberg's got got this thing cooking, you know, in year three or year four, uh, maybe even next year. But I think that's probably a little bit optimistic. I do like that basketball. You're, you can flip something a little bit quicker just because of numbers. You certainly can. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's not outside the realm of possibility that next year Hoiberg's got a little bit of this going, but. I think this is going to be one of the most fun games on the schedule for Husker fans going down the road here because there's Big Ten teams who want to run a little bit, but not like Creighton. No. Uh, and so I and, and, and Hoiberg is maybe going to be on the far edge of that in terms of Big Ten teams uh, playing a Creighton-like style, if you will, just want to run up and down and, and shoot shots early in the shot clock. Um, so that's going to be really exciting, this matchup in particular, once Hoiberg's got a few uh, a few classes, a few seasons established, and and seeing these two teams go back and forth, you add to that uh, the disdain and the dislike mm-hmm. between the fan bases, uh, maybe between the players. Once again, once the players have a little bit of time in it, uh, and maybe they'll find out a little bit about that later today. Who knows? But I'm really excited about this series going forward. I am too. And yeah, as you you brought up, kind of what the style of play is across the Big Ten. Yeah. When I think of Big Ten basketball, I think of, I mean, I think of Iowa, Ohio State, Purdue. Um, even if those aren't the, the the ones that win the conference, 
I think of that style of play where you've got at least one big dude Mm -hmm. underneath who's going to dominate a little bit of the game. And then you've got some guards who are going to be able to shoot it and handle the ball. Um, Think Cassius Winston at Michigan State. You're going to have guards that are going to be able to run around like that. Maryland, obviously, is playing really well, but they've got a big guy, too. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are... Every team in the Big Ten has someone that's big. From watching the Big Ten ACC Challenge earlier this week, which, by the way, big ups to the Big Ten, won both, men's and women's. Yeah, that's right. Um, women got the first ever. This is the 13th year that the Big Ten ACC Challenge has been going on. Women with their first ever win. Uh, Nebraska beat Duke earlier this week, so that was pretty cool on the women's side. Um, anytime you get to say you beat Duke in basketball, I don't think it matters whether it's men or men's or women's. It just feels good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but on that style of play, I mean, it, it's almost the same thing as in football, where a lot of the football teams in the Big Ten are kind of that pounded out. You you think Iowa football, Wisconsin football, and then now, now Nebraska's got a little bit more of the spread. That's kind of what it is in the basketball game here. Hoiberg's going to want to run and just kind of wear you out throughout the game, but you have to make shots. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. In football, yards don't equal points. And in basketball, it doesn't matter how many shots you take if they don't go in. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And and just looking at the Big Ten now, um, this is what Nebraska is going to be walking into here in a month or so. Uh, in terms of Ken Palm's rankings, uh, which relatively small sample size at this point, but I think everybody's played a few big games. Uh, you've got four teams of the out of the Big Ten in the top seven: uh, Ohio State two, Michigan State four, Purdue five, Maryland seven, uh, Michigan's twelfth. Indiana 20th, and uh, Penn State 23rd. That's seven in the top 25. Um, That doesn't even include teams like Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, who are kind of scattered between the 40s and 60s. And then you have uh, Rutgers, and then you have Northwestern, and then all the way down at 146 is Nebraska. Yeah, we didn't even talk about Michigan with Juwan Howard there. Yeah. That that adds another wrinkle into the conference with the NBA experience he brings in. That that changes something else into the conference of that infusion. What's going to happen as that program redevelops under him? Well, and and it's not just going to be style with him. He's got a five star commit. He's going after the big time talent. Oh yeah, like the one and done. He's going to bring in when you when you think Coach Calipari. You you think what does Kentucky do? What does now Coach K with Duke do? Mm-hmm. And Kansas. There's going to be those big time stars go there because of who the coach is. Yes. So now you balance in um, programs like Iowa where it's going to be a three- to four-year development of guys that are going to come up, um, even a little bit with Purdue. And then you add in Nebraska, who's going to want to a little bit more run and gun, pace and space. And then you get to Michigan, and it's where's our one-and-done guys. Yeah. That that This league across all sports is ridiculous. But look, just looking at men's basketball, the future of this league looks great with a with a couple of new coaches that are here. I'm excited to see where Hoiberg takes it. And I mean, games like today, where you get to see Creighton, who's been a been a developed program, you get to see where the program is. It, it is a measuring stick early on. Yeah, yeah, it is, and and that's what Nebraska's up against. It's a 12:30 pregame show here on KLIN with a 1:30 tip. 1:31 is the official tip. 131, there you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't you, know. And, <laughs> Thank you, TV. It's on yeah, FS1. It's, yeah, it's always the TV deal. <laughs> uh, and you will hear Kent Pavelka on that call, of course, the voice of the Huskers. And when we come back, you will also hear Kent Pavelka 
right here on this show. We talk with Kent Pavelka when we come back. This is the KLI and Husker Hour. Thanks for being with us. That's Caleb Henry. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. Thanks for being with us here on a Saturday morning. Kent Pavelka is next here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Back here on the KLIN Husker Hour, our first Saturday without regular season college football. It is, uh, got championship games going, but here in Lincoln, it is officially basketball season. Uh, and we are, uh, as, uh, as I think every year since I've had this show going, five years strong now, we've had uh, the voice of the Huskers, Kent Pavelka, uh, join us every season to break down the Huskers, and he's here to do it again. Uh, Kent, thanks very much for the time. How's it going? Doing really well. I'm, you know, this is a great time of the year for me. Uh, first month under our belts. Here we are in December, right in the middle of basketball season. The holidays are here. To, you know, what more could you want, right? Absolutely. Well, I, I think that we could want a little bit better free throw shooting. I, that's about it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I want to start there. Have you have you covered a team that's just struggled so bad with free throw shooting as as this no. team has? No, I, I categorically don't think so. I mean, I you know, and I'm not going to bother to try to go over the you know pour through the record book to figure it out. I mean, I think it's you know, I don't think there's any question. I mean, this has just been. Uh, um, it's been a it's been a bad dream, really. Yeah. Now I don't know. You know, I don't know if it'll continue like this or not. But uh, I hadn't thought about it. I don't think there's couldn't be a worse team though in, in Nebraska basketball history shooting free throws. Now, if it's like you know, it's eight games in, maybe they'll maybe they'll be way better at the end of the year. Who knows? But right now, no. Yeah, it, it's hopefully the small sample size thing will will turn things around. Um, well, so you, you mentioned there's eight games now in the rearview mirror. Uh, having had this team basically built from scratch uh, and and only returning one guy who had even experience playing in a Nebraska uniform in a real game in Thor, what have you learned so far from this squad? Uh, that that you've been able to you know kind of see form and and that the the that has kind of formed the the foundation for what we'll see the rest of this season. What have you learned so far? Well, I think the first thing is what you mentioned, and that, that's not going away. The fact that sixteen guys on the roster and one of them saw the floor last year. As the season goes on, you know, hopefully that will become less of a factor. But I don't think you put that in the rearview mirror this year. You know, it's a process that will, you know, have a, a negative um, uh, effect on the product, I think, now to what degree, hopefully lesser as we go on. But, yeah, number one, that. Number two, you know, what we suspected might be problems are problems kind of intrinsically. A, they don't, you know, they're just not built to, to dominate the boards. They have a hard time getting defensive rebounds. They're working on that. They, they were better the other night against Georgia Tech. But, you know, that's going to be a problem. And we, I thought it might be. And then, but I did not see the free throw shooting issue. I did think that when I first looked at them that, you know, I didn't see any dead three-point shooters like you're going to need, like they're going to face tomorrow or today with, with Creighton. Um, you need some of those. And, you know, Nebraska's, Best three point free throw or field goal shooters, uh, perimeter 
are, are sometimes at best, you know, streaky. So um, those three things combined are not a good, not a good combination. And, and it's just reality. I mean, it's, I'm not being negative or pejorative. Um, sometimes you can analyze things and come up with reasons why there are problems, but in the end, it kind of is what it is. Yeah, Kent, when we're, well, we've talked about the first two years of uh, Scott Frost and the football team, kind of trying to figure out what the identity is of that team, especially in the red zone. Now we're kind of into a, a first month with this basketball team through eight games. What's the identity of this Hoiberg basketball team? Well, you know, the the, the first thing is his system and, and the kind of team he wants to put on the floor, which is they'll get down the floor before you can blink. I mean, they're really, really good at pushing the ball either off misses or at the bottom of the net. I think they're, they're going to be a problem for everybody that plays them in that sense. That's their number one identity. You know, it's kind of a positionless system. Um, five out most of the time, very little is – is the Fred Hoiberg stamp? The, this is his. This is the kind of basketball he wants to play. Yeah, you know, the three players on the bench that are not going to be able to play this year that are going to be uh, huge pieces next year, but they're not there this year. So the identity is all what I said, plus the fact that they they're missing pieces. Kent Pavelka joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, Nebraska faces Creighton today at 1.30 in your pregame right here on KLIN, starting at 12.30. Kent, who's the leader on this team? We've seen Hanif Cheatham. He's he's one of the, the grad transfer seniors. Uh, he's kind of taken control a few times. Cam Mack has been a great floor general. He's got great assist numbers, uh, pushes the ball a lot. Uh, it, it, are one of those two guys, it, maybe one in particular, taking the reins, or uh, is that kind of yet to be fleshed out? No, I think it's uh, – I think it's um pretty transparent i would say hanif is clearly the guy mm. um i mean not to take anything away from cam mack and his abilities and his his talent um yeah, i most would like to envision a, an offense where cheatham is the point wing instead of having a point guard but i mean mack does it well really well especially in transition but there's just a settling kind of a settling feeling when cheatham is on the floor and has the ball in his hands and that was a problem in the first couple of ball games. He kind of disappeared because he just, you know, um, he didn't have the ball. But yeah, I like Cheatham uh, in a way. I think Torres can, can step up and be more of a team leader. Um, if I had to, if I had to um, pick three, I guess it would be those three: Cheatham, Thor, and Cam Mack. Um, looking up and down the roster here, and that's you know, that's what I see. Turning our attention to, to Creighton this afternoon, how tough is it, Kent, with a retooled roster, a, a new head coach, to, I mean, I know it's an, it's an in-state rivalry game, but a lot of these guys haven't played in this one. How, how much do, yeah. does that make a difference in, in this against Creighton? Oh, I think it's a huge difference. I mean, over the years, you know, guys have given lip service to, um, you know, knowing that, what this is all about as far as, how deeply and strongly fans feel about it on either side. And yet they, they've just been in town for a cup of coffee. And so they really don't get it. You know, they just don't, um, you know, and, and that, and that, the, that issue is a, is a problem for Nebraska 
it's exacerbated by the fact that, you know, except for Thor, uh, nobody has played in a game against this team. Um, they'll, they'll, you know, there'll be a reality check today. If Creighton gets it going, not, notwithstanding the fact there'll be a good contingent of Nebraska fans limited by inability to get, you know, tickets, but, um, and, and it'll be in a, it'll be a CHI center that is, uh, that has more fans from the opponent than normal, of course. But, uh, if they get it cranked up, this will be the, the first experience like this that all of them had had. Cause, uh, Wednesday at Georgia Tech, it was, you know, first road game, but, uh, it won't be packed like this one will, and it won't it won't have uh, the emotion behind it because of the rivalry, quote unquote, that that's involved. Talking with Kent Pavelka here on the KLI and Husker Hour ahead of Nebraska Creighton later today. Uh, Kent, how would you define? I mean, obviously, a, a win would be amazing, but how would you define success for Nebraska basketball against Creighton? Is it? Keeping it within a certain score is it uh, shooting a certain free throw percentage? <laughs> like, yeah. how do you think you would? What 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 scenarios would would kind of you take away uh, as a positive from a game like this and a game that Creighton's probably going to be a pretty heavy favorite? Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. I I would not want to go into this thing already saying, oh, you know, you're not going to win it. So if you keep it within ten points, it's a moral victory or anything like that. I mean, I think. I think if Creighton plays like it did against San Diego State and can't shoot the ball, I mean, I certainly, I totally think Nebraska could win this mm-hmm. if, if the right things happen. So <clears throat> that's how I define success is coming away from you know, with a Nebraska victory. Uh, short of that, yeah, you you know you want to you want to walk away from any game if you lose it with the with the knowledge that the other team knows they have. Uh, been pushed to the limit. So it's a good game. You can't shoot free throws. You can't get as many rebounds as you want. And Creighton can, you know, is, is light than that, but they're perimeter shooters. Uh, in that scenario, you'd still like to think that it was a, that Creighton had a, you know, a tough time of it. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I think has been interesting to watch and is, is, not obvious to to see if you're just watching the broadcast, but might be a little. You might have a little bit more insight to this team built from scratch. Everybody coming from all different places. Uh, you got the Italy trip. Uh, they had a little yeah. bit of the uh, of time to get together as well down in the Caymans. You were there um, for that, calling those three games. Intangibles. How has this team come together in terms of chemistry, in terms of getting along, in terms of becoming friends and becoming more aware of what guys are going to do on the floor? How do you think that's developed so far this season? I think that part of it's still coming together. And I thought we saw in the South Florida game a um, demonstration that, you know, they've taken great strides in that respect. I thought early in the game against Georgia Tech that all that was good. Um, you know, I, I do I do see that um, the the issue with all that is sustaining it. You know, it's kind of a cliche. We've got to play forty minutes and all that, but it's true. I mean, if you can, if they could just put it lightning in a bottle and and play long longer periods of time like they do in spurts, uh, then you then you can say, yeah, they've got all that 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 part of it figured out. And you know, I think they're. They're a close group. They they like each other, all that, which is important. But, you know, when you think about 
winning at the highest level in, in athletics, college athletics, for example, in, in Nebraska's glory days in football. I don't know that all of those guys were the best of friends, you know. In football, you know, it's hard to be buddies with everybody like it would be easier to do in basketball simply because of the numbers, the offense is, you know, almost a team to, to itself in the defense. So, you know, I don't know. I, maybe the, all that you know, that little element is overblown in terms of importance of being just like, you know, yeah. Siamese twins or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we'll get you out of here on this one, Kent. Uh, Fred Hoiberg, a uh, guy who's had experience at the college level and in the pros, comes in, takes the job, builds the roster up. Do you think, just, and he's kind of tough to read, I think, because he's so even keel, but do you think he had a sense of uh, of the, the, the difficulty level of basically building this roster from uh, you know parts that he got everywhere across the country? Do you, do you think he had a sense of what was facing him when he came into the job, and how do you think he has reacted to all the, the things that have happened so far this season? Oh, yeah. he's. I think he knew exactly what, what was coming, and, and that's not to suggest that he, you know, anybody thinks they're you know, never going to win a game again this year. I don't, you know, I, I, if they're 4-4 four and four and they've got potential and they're talented. But, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, he was 500 his first year at Iowa State. He's an accomplished guy who um, – you know, and, and I don't think that that any reality at this point in time has diminished his, you know, confidence about what they can do this year. <clears throat> I mean, he's he's a delight to be around. He's a he's been really nice to me. Um, I, I I don't have enough good things to say about him, and I don't think in any way he's thinking, oh boy, what's this all about? I didn't know about. I didn't. This wasn't what I bargained for. I don't think that's going on at all. All right, good deal. Well, hey, uh, awesome insight. Uh, we really appreciate your time um, every time you come on with us uh, here on the K-Line Husker Hour. And, uh, of course, you'll be able to hear Kent uh, 12.30 pregame, one thirty first tip right here on KLIN with Nebraska taking on Creighton just this afternoon. Kent, thanks again, as always, for your time. We really appreciate it. Looking forward to hearing you on the broadcast today. Enjoy it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, always great to talk to Kent. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to watch this one and uh, like we talked about, I think Nebraska's, you know, if they keep it close, I think you maybe moral victories aren't probably things that you want to, to have to resort to. But, man, this is – I think this is going to be a long year, and I think if you can keep it close with Creighton, mm-hmm. I think that would that would give you a little bit of hope and confidence going into the rest of the season. I agree, and I, I liked where he, he mentioned Thor as a leader, as one of, one of those yeah. one of those leadership guys, and that – that makes us think. Yes, he's the the one holdover that had minutes last year. But how much more could he have been used last year? Was that an off season? Did he just develop more coming back, knowing that he was the only guy with minutes? Yeah. Because um, he's he's in that top seven rotation. He's one of the first first two guys off the bench. About nineteen minutes a game. That's significant uh, contribution. He, yeah, absolutely. He made six threes all of last year. He's already got six through the first eight games. He only played in eight games too. Yeah, last year. Well, there we go. He's right on pace. Yeah, so I think he scored sixteen points in eight games, so his average was two points per game. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's he's getting his chances this year, and it's good to see him take them and run with him. And hey, he'll get his first chance to actually play in the Nebraska Creighton series later today. So that'll be pretty cool. He did say yesterday that this is a big one for the Jayskers. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's your day, Jayskers. Get ready to roll. All right, we have got more to come here. Another half hour on the KLIN Husker Hour. 
and uh, we'll break down more of the Nebraska Creighton game. We'll also hit a little bit on Nebraska football. Had some news this week. Uh, we'll get to that and more when we come back here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Welcome back to the KLIN Husker Hour. Of course, our big thanks to Kent Pavelka, the voice of the Huskers, joining us in our last segment, Nebraska and Creighton today. As Thor, Thorir Thorbjarnarsson, our hero. Oh, that says, was well done. Great day for Jaskers. This is your day. <laughs> Enjoy it. Um, that tip off is at 1.31 p.m. right here on KLIN with pregame starting at 12.30. Uh, wanted to dig in a little bit to football. Uh, Nebraska had some news this week. The couple of guys who were suspended earlier in the season that Troy Walters announced in August, late in fall camp, uh, Katerian Legrone and Andre Hunt, both redshirt freshmen. Uh, nobody had really known why. It was kind of speculation and, and rumor out there, but nothing was uh, nothing was reported on it specifically until this week, where ESPN mm-hmm. ca- Caleb came outside out, the lines. Uh, yeah, yeah, with with the uh, with the story on that. What's the deal with those two? Yeah, so they're facing a two-and-a-half-year suspension from the university. They'd already, as you said earlier in the year, um, and Troy Walters didn't divulge any more when they said that they were indefinitely suspended back in August. So the they're both facing two-and-a-half-year suspension from the university. Yeah. Um, the last I think I saw from their attorney, they're going to appeal it. Um, had until I think this next week to to put in that appeal. Otherwise, it would just automatically be final. Um, so we'll have to see what that appeal process is. Uh, but facing uh, what was it? Sexual assault. Sexual char- assault charges. Yeah, sexual so assault charges. It was on uh, August 25th that the incident occurred, and the 26th. And the 26th was the day that they were announced as suspended from the team. So Nebraska acted quickly. Yeah. Um, and and they've reportedly already both entered the transfer portal. So it doesn't sound like those appeals are going to be coming through. Um, but I, you know, who knows if, if anybody would pick them up. And if two and a half years sounds like oh, just kind of an arbitrary date, that two and a half years is so that the student who uh, who filed the accusation, the potential victim, the um, could finish school without having. Um, I can't remember the exact uh, language for it, but so that she can finish school without them being on campus. Exactly. Um, so that, that is a specific date that was picked out there. It wasn't just, oh, here, uh, I don't know, two and a half years. That is a very specific date that's out there, but it doesn't look like they're going to be around anyway. Yep. So I don't know where that is going forward. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so those guys, they're gone. Um, it sounds like, uh, from the program. Um, and, and now we know a little bit more about that situation. Um, recruiting wise, uh, Nebraska's seen, uh, a little bit of momentum, it seems. You have one guy decommit, but there may be other reasons why that, that might not be related directly to the player changing mm-hmm. his mind. Uh, it might be that Nebraska got uh, a little bit of inroads with a couple better. of guys. Yeah. So there's been a couple of targets, um, one that de- decommitted from Colorado, one that decommitted from Florida State, yeah. that are Nebraska's hot on, and, and the thought is that, hey, they're decommitting from there, because there's an imminent commitment coming to Nebraska. Yeah, and that that is when you follow try to follow some of these on there, it's you see a bunch of guys, I'm happy to receive this offer, happy to receive this offer. I'm 100% committed. Um and I, it was it was uh I don't know, was it Hodges that decommitted? Jamoy Hodge. Yeah, Hodge. Um was committed for 9 days. 9 total days. Um Is that a record? 
I I don't know. I think someone was saying that that may may have been a record. That's more games than uh than um than we got out of our our Ohio freshman for basketball. Uh, oh, Samari Curtis. Yeah. So that is <laughs> uh, when you see those, you're like, okay, what what's going through when you decommit, and then what's going through your head when you recommit, type of thing. Um, Nebraska did put an offer out with uh with Bellevue West. Um, is it Keegan Johnson? Keegan Johnson. Yeah, and and the uh, immediately the next day, I know he got offers from Iowa and Iowa State. I think Iowa State was the same night. Actually. Iowa State was the same night, yeah. and then Iowa the next day. Yep. Um, so he's cleaning up a bunch of offers. That's an in-state uh, guy there, son um, of Cluster Johnson, and I think the youngest son of those because there's the one that went to Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Um, did and then the second one, I think uh, Cade. Do you go to South Dakota State? I think so, yeah. Um, uh, and then there's a preferred walk-on offer with an Iowa Western kicker. Yes. Is that what I saw? Yes. Um, so, yeah, they're, I mean, season's over, but these coaches are busy. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're not kind of just waiting around. Everything that you've heard on, on the coaches saying, we've got to get guys here, they're out doing that right now. December 18th is that early signing period. So trying to get inroads here for the next 11 days. What guys can you get to sign on that dotted line? Not just be a verbal commit, but be actually signed to come in. Yeah, that day's coming up. Um, we're we're getting there. It's going to be that last week before Christmas um, that these kids are going to be able to sign in that early period. Um, the guy that decommitted from Colorado that Nebraska's in on is Julius Coates. Um, that's that's one of the targets that we're talking about. And then the other one from Florida State, who, who not from Florida State, was committed to Florida State, uh, is Keyshawn Green. And we um, don't even know who's coaching Florida State. So that, I mean... Yeah, there's there's a couple of other players for Florida <laughs> State that they have committed right now that, that may or may not be um, hot and heavy with Nebraska, too. Yeah. So Nebraska's trying to take advantage of that opening um, left by Florida State, still not knowing who their coach is going to be. Coach him. Letting Willie Get him. go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to take advantage. There's no question about it. Um, all right, we're going to take another break. Uh, when we come back, I want to dig into uh, a little bit of Championship Saturday here, Caleb. We had the Pac-12 Championship game happen yesterday. It seems that they have once again played themselves out of it. Yep. It, it, Utah goes down to Oregon. Both have two losses now. Oregon is a conference champ, but I don't think they're going to be able to make up enough ground. So what happens today? Who gets in? Who should get in? Who won't get in? And volleyball still playing NCAA tournament. Yeah, they had, a, match up tonight. they had a pretty breezy game yesterday. They'll have uh, another match today with Mizzou. That's correct. They also had a pretty nice, easy day with uh, their their first rounder. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. And, uh, of course, we'll all be keeping an eye on a bra- uh, Wisconsin-UCLA on the other side of the Ooh, bracket. A yep. uh, lot to get to yet. Stick with us here. That's Caleb. I'm Cole. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio. 1400 KLI. A couple more segments here on the KLI and Husker Hour. If you missed it earlier, we chatted with Kent Pavelka, the voice of the Huskers, before Nebraska Creighton. You can hear that on the podcast page, uh, or you can check the Twitter feed. We'll have that up uh, a little bit later on today uh, if you want to he- hear uh, our conversation with Kent Pavelka. Um, one more thing here, real quick, on the recruiting. Keyshawn Green, one of the guys that decommitted, uh, he decommitted from Florida State yesterday. Uh, he's a four-star prospect, uh, top 150, roughly. Uh, outside linebacker, 6'3", 195. Uh, Julius Coates, he's a defensive end out of East Mississippi uh, Community College, so he'd be a JUCO kid, uh, 6'6", 270 defensive end. So both of those guys would uh, be looking to help out on the defensive side. 
Um, all right, let's dig in a little bit to Championship Saturday here, Caleb. We've got uh, four Power 5 championship games today after the Pac-12 went first. Oregon victorious. Congrats to the Ducks, but sorry, Pac-12. Thanks for playing. You're yeah, out again. Yeah, you're out now. Um, you've got LSU and Georgia. Uh, I, I think LSU's in regardless of the outcome here. I agree. Um, Georgia, I think, is they if they win, they're in, and if they lose, they're out. I think that's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think when you when you look at that, because if they lose, someone has to win in the Baylor and Oklahoma game, and then they would only have one loss, and so that's a a check mark there. Um, that would be another top ten win for them. That'd be another check mark there, and they'd be a conference champion. So that's yeah. another check mark there as they go through and try to add all the little different parameters for it. So you'd have to think that Baylor or Oklahoma would jump Georgia. Now, if that game goes like five overtimes, I don't know if they try to still squeeze them in there, but I I do think Georgia's playing. They have to win to get in. I think so. And then because of Utah losing, that fourth spot is really up to Baylor and Oklahoma. Winner of that game gets in. I think so. Because then you look at the Big Ten, Wisconsin and Ohio State, I still think Ohio State's in regardless. I think they are. Wisconsin's not going to play their way in that that loss to the loss to Illinois. No, they got they um, have two losses even if they win the Big Ten. And then you look at the ACC. I mean, Clemson, Virginia. Clemson's probably still in as long as Georgia loses. Now, yeah, if Georgia wins and, and Clemson, Clemson loses. Yeah. Clemson could fall behind the Big 12 champion. So here's here's the the most fascinating scenario that I think there would be um, with with the way these games go. Ohio State wins, they get in. Um, if Georgia beats LSU, I think both Georgia and LSU are in. Yep. And if Ohio State wins, I think Ohio State's in. So that's your top. That's your top three essentially. Yep. Let's say Clemson loses and Baylor wins. Clemson would have one loss. Non-conference champ, their loss to Virginia. Yep. Oklahoma would have, or Baylor would have one loss. That one loss to Oklahoma, a loss they avenged, and they would be a conference champ. Yep. Here's where I think it gets interesting, because the committees talked about a little bit about strength of schedule. It's not been a huge part of the discussion. I think they really weigh heavily in conference champions. Um, they're going to look at who you beat and who you lost to a little bit, but. I'd be really interested to see how you compare whether you put Baylor or Clemson in. Because, yes, Clemson would not be the conference champ, but at least in their non-conference, their four-game non-conference, because the ACC only plays eight conference games, uh, they would have the A&M game on their, on their schedule. And Texas A&M is not a world-beater this year. They're, I think they've been a fringe top 25 team. They were top 25 when they played that game, but they're not now. And so... Clemson, I think, would get that that feather in their cap. Meanwhile, Baylor's non-con, I want to say it was like Rice, UTSA, Stephen and, F. Austin, yeah, Stephen F. Austin, a non non one one A school or non FBS school. Uh, so Baylor had a three game non-conference and it was total garbage, which is kind of the way they do things. It's kind of like the old K State in the nineties non-conference schedule. Yeah. Do you give Baylor the spot simply because? They only lost to Oklahoma the one time, and then they had a chance to beat them, and they did, and so they're the conference champ. Or do you reward Clemson for scheduling a difficult Power 5 opponent in your non-conference? And they won that game, but then they lost their conference championship game to a 9-3 and Virginia team who would at that time be 10-3. and 
That would be a fascinating decision to me to see how they go. I think when you look at that, you also look at, yes, they played Texas A&M non-conference, but how many Power 5 teams did they play? And that ends up making it, that evens it out, right? If they, and I think yeah. that that's the only non yeah that's the that, that, the that would even it out five, to yes. where yeah they they nine. both played nine power five schools so then does that become more of a wash on it? So do you it, then punish uh, Clemson for only playing eight conference games and say well your ninth game against a power five school doesn't really matter because Baylor was doing that anyway as a conference? I think that would actually that would make things really interesting because then that would tell the ACC and the SEC you guys need to be playing nine conference games anyway. Ooh, I like that. Can the can the selection committee chair like say that in the post selection interview just to stick it right in their eye? I think that'd be great. That'd be awesome because here's say, the thing: Hey SEC, you guys are getting two in right now, but you and the ACC are trying to work your way into playing. Whether or not you schedule one Power Five school, all that's doing is leveling the playing field with what these other schools are already doing. Yeah, and I've I've railed on this for years, Jim Delaney. In his infinite wisdom, look, he made a lot of money for the conferences. He brought Nebraska in from from the potential Big 12 cold if that thing was going to blow up, which it didn't, but I don't think that was the reason. Uh, Anyway, Jim Delaney goes and makes this a nine-game conference schedule for the Big 10. Uh, essentially saying, well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do this, and it's the right thing to do, and and everybody's gonna do the same thing because it's the right thing to do. And the ACC and SEC did not follow suit because they realized that they don't have to be doing this with one hand tied behind their back. It is it is a competitive disadvantage that is self-imposed on the Big Ten Conference. I don't think they're going to go back on it. I don't think the new no. guy is going to go back on what Delaney did in terms of the nine-game conference scheduling. But if you had a scenario that's set up like that, if they choose Baylor over Clemson, in spite of the fact that Clemson had this one non-con Power 5 scheduled game that they went out and won, and Baylor didn't even try to, but the committee decides, hey, you know what? The Big 12 is at least doing this as a conference, and the ACC and the SEC are not, so I'm sorry, but you needed to play two Power 5 if you wanted to have uh, that feather in your cap, because just matching them in terms of nine Power 5 games is not enough to get you over the hump when you don't have the conference championship. In this scenario, they wouldn't, when Baylor would. That is a fascinating decision, and I really think that would be just that would be just a delicious outcome if that actually went down. And if you look at both Baylor and Clemson, when they played the teams in that scenario where Baylor wins today and Clemson loses, Clemson's win over a team that was ranked at the time would be over number 12 Texas A&M, second week of the year, and the loss to number 23, Virginia. Baylor's loss would be to then number 10, Oklahoma, and a win over now number 6, Oklahoma. Plus they have other wins over top 25 teams that Clemson doesn't. Like, the ACC is not good this year. No. They don't have, like, A&M might be Clemson's best win, frankly. I think it actually is. Like they didn't. Nobody else in the ACC is is better than the 9-3 and like Virginia might be the only other ranked ACC team at this point, actually. I mean, Miami's it, not. Florida State's not. Is Georgia Tech their other best no. win? Oh, it was another oh. best win. Maybe I don't know. That is that's bad. Like that's a bad schedule. It's a really bad conference. And then you go in Texas A and M, and I know they probably wanted A and M to be better, but yeah. you have to just play the teams that are there and how they are. And A and M's not a great win. Yeah, and the natural next rea- the reaction would, would be, oh my gosh, Dab- Dabo is right, and they're out to get him, and da 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 da. Look, 
credit where credit's due, Clemson has been admittedly destroying their schedule. They've won like the '90s Huskers did against the big the the dregs of the Big Eight and the Big Twelve, but in the way that the 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 playoff is structured and the way the committee would select their teams, I if if they went with an, a, a Baylor over Clemson in spite of the fact that Clemson had that ninth game. Uh, because the Big Twelve already had nine Power Five games, I think that would just be uh, awesome. That would be that would be my favorite thing of the. I want to see that. Yes, I, I'm very much on board with your uh, <laughs> with your thoughts there. All right, so that might play out that way. Maybe not. I mean, probably the favorites will all just win, and we'll just have to yeah, we'll see Oklahoma in there again with the three undefeated teams. That'd be a pretty nice playoff, yeah. sure. But yeah. All right, that's that. One more segment to go. Come back with us. This is KLI and Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Back here to wrap things up on KLIN. We'll be back uh, with uh, sports on your radio at 1230 pregame for Nebraska basketball against Creighton. And then 131 tip-off. Also on the radio today, Caleb, Nebraska Volleyball, second-round action in the NCAA tournament. They're taking on Missouri. They are, and so that's a full day because that game is also going to be here on 1400 yep. KLIN as well as as it always is on B1073. Um, so that if you just listen to KLIN all day, you're going to get Nebraska-Creighton, in-state rivalry game, um, as long as it, it's a name, even if it's not for the players yet. Yeah. that That's part of first year head coach and bringing in the building that program but then you get an old big 12 rivalry mm-hmm. uh re- renew it and they've actually played in the second round last year nebraska obviously won and route to going to that another finals and lost to stanford um stiverns did say earlier this week that they still have the picture of stanford oh, yeah. winning in their locker room yep um, but you've got nebraska Coming up tonight at 7, taking on Missouri. They swept Ball State yesterday, held Ball State to a, a season low uh, .010 attack percentage. Is that bad? That's bad. <laughs> uh, Nebraska also was not blocked in the entire match, first time in five years. That's pretty sweet. That is, oh, this team's playing well, and they're fun to watch too. So if you can't get out to uh, Devaney to watch... You can obviously listen here on 1400 or over on B1073. Here, John Baylor hit a bunch of kabooms. Oh, yeah. And, the, and Nebraska Creighton basketball. That's what you can hear later on today. That's Caleb Henry, KLIN Sports Director. And hopefully UCLA beats Wisconsin. Yeah, keep an eye on that one for sure. I'm Cole Stukenholz. <laughs> Thanks to Kent Pavelka for joining us. We'll have it up on the podcast page and on Twitter. Go Big Red.